This is the View from the Couch podcast, and I'm your host, Pierce Wiesenar. And on the program today, I will be taking a look at The Fate of the Furious, the eighth film under the Fast and the Furious banner. After Fast 7, this film took a step in a new direction. The family atmosphere of Fast 7 was blown up in Fast 8, with Vin Diesel going rogue and siding with the villain of the film, Charlize Theron. On paper, it was a smart choice because after so many films, there isn't much new territory for Fast 8 to cover, and by splitting up the team, it puts old characters in new situations, which allows the audience to see them in a new light. However, the end product is a far more interesting idea than film. Now before I get into the film, there are two things that have to be discussed. The first is that it's a big, dumb action movie. We all know what it is, and so does the film. In Fast 7, the film was very much in on the joke. You know things are getting a little out of control when Vin Diesel and Jason Statham are driving their cars headfirst into each other and then walking out without a scratch. Some folks don't grade these films on the same scale as other films. The line always is, well, it's a dumb action movie, so what did you really expect? If that's your style, then more power to you, but I am not one of those people. The second point is the behind-the-scenes drama between Vin Diesel and The Rock. Last year, some headlines were made during the production of the film when The Rock called out one cast member for being a candy ass. Well, that candy ass was later revealed to be Vin Diesel. This isn't the first or the last movie to feature two stars that just don't like each other. If the reports are to be believed, and well, why would they not be, Vin Diesel and The Rock never filmed a scene together. All of the footage we see of them together is actually the film using body doubles as they stand in for the two stars. For example, when Vin Diesel runs The Rock off the road and he's standing over The Rock in his car, the legs we see are the ones of the body double. And that moment in the film, it's really crucial because it's when Dom Toretto reveals his true colors. And that reveal is what the whole movie hinges on. And Fast 8 totally butchers it because when the two stars should be having the most epic stare down of epic stare downs, The Rock is looking at the legs of a body double and not the eyes of Vin Diesel. It's moments like this that pop up throughout the film and hinder Fast 8 from achieving its lofty goals. Whenever Vin Diesel is around, The Rock is mysteriously absent or involved with something else. So when the film continues to trot out its family first themes, and you hear about the off-camera squabbles, and then you see the consequences of those squabbles in the film, you're left wondering what could have been, because what we end up getting is truly awful. Another problem that the film ran into was the size of its cast. This has got to be the biggest Fast and Furious film in terms of cast size. Having a big cast can be a good thing if you know how to use them, but once again, we get a big action summer blockbuster that is far too crowded. For a film like this to really work, you just have to scale down the cast. And when you have a movie that features the likes of Vin Diesel, The Rock, Jason Statham, and Charlize Theron, all of them are in your movie, they each have to get just a certain amount of screen time. Not only because they are the stars of the film, but because their characters are the most important and Fast 8 has the audacity to introduce even more new characters, adding them to the ones from past films. So what you're left with is a battle among the various minor characters as they attempt to justify their existence in the film, and it's clear which of them should be in the film and which of them should not. The movie is cluttered with all of these unnecessary characters 
as they get in the way of Fast 8 telling its story. This movie is about Dom Toretto donning the black and joining forces with the villain. I was very curious as to why his character was suddenly betraying his family and how the film would eventually pull it off. Sadly, the film plays it safe with the why, which makes the how frustrating viewing. You don't set up the film in the way that it did and then follow through in the weakest possible way. When the truth eventually comes out, you shake your head in disbelief because it's so stupid, dumb, and lazy. The film has enough smart and talented people involved in it that something like that should never happen, and yet, here it is. No one is watching the Fast and Furious films for the characters or even for the story. They pay top dollar to watch the various action sequences blow them away. And sadly, the hallmark of this franchise, well, it just never beats its trailer. The reveal of the submarine was excellent in the trailer, and the film just never matched that moment. And part of the reason why is because the cast is just so big. The action scenes have a very strange flow to them, as the camera is pinballing around getting reaction shots and the many zingers from the numerous characters. So instead of letting the scenes flow and allowing the audience to take in the breathtaking scope and scale of the scene, we are treated to a dizzying array of ineptitude. Part of what makes the Fast and the Furious films, well, Fast and Furious, are the cars, and it would be odd for one of these films to not feature the latest and greatest cars of the day. However, with the scale of these action sequences going up with each film, it's becoming increasingly difficult to engineer action scenes that involve cars. I mean, these films feature tanks, planes, and now submarines. Long gone are the days of drag racing and drifting. When the stakes go up to a nuclear level, you have to balance that out with something that the audience can engage with, something that's a little more grounded and relatable. So with a nuke all but in the grasp of Charlize Theron, how does it affect the characters? Does anyone lose anything? What's their role in all of this? Well, when everyone walks away unscathed, it makes it hard to get emotionally involved or engaged. There isn't any connection between what's happening on screen and the audience. All of these scenes lacked the tension required to pull them off. So all of the action scenes end up being something that might look cool, but have absolutely zero depth. Coming off of Fast 7, the next three films being Fast 8, 9, and 10, all had to be rejigged after the death of Paul Walker, which almost ended not just Fast 7, but the entire franchise. And after Fast 8, I have less faith in the franchise now than ever before. This might be the worst film of this franchise, full stop. It's definitely the worst since The Rock joined. I don't know where the franchise can go next. Space is the only place they haven't gone, and who knows, maybe they'll drive Lambos on the moon, or maybe they continue down the tech route. They've done that in Fast 6, 7, and 8. All I know is that this film didn't give me the confidence required to be interested in a sequel. Fast 8 had all the trappings of another monster hit. It has a great cast, a fun premise, and the promise of some creative action scenes to add to its considerable catalog. Too bad the trailer is better than the feature-length film that it promotes. So what is the fate of The Furious? Well, I'd say it's an uninspired one. If I had to give this film a grade, I would give it a D. If you like the show and want some more episodes, just subscribe for more, and don't forget to rate the show and to share the episode. This has been another episode of the View from the Couch podcast. Thanks for listening.